blood moon has risen. It is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from another world. Greetings. Welcome to Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host, Andrew Carey. If you have a strange story or terrifying tale you want brought to life, please make your submission at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Now, turn up the sound and turn off the lights. Our animal totems have stories to tell. We found a creepy story from an anonymous source. Is it true or is it a tall tale? I don't know, but be careful with what you do with your cell phone. A couple of months ago, my friend's cousin, who is a single mother, bought a new cell phone. After a long day of work, she came home, placed her phone on the counter, and went to watch TV. Her son came to her and asked if he could play with her new phone. She told him not to call anyone or mess with the text messages, and he agreed. At around 11.20, she was drowsy, so she decided to tuck her son in and go to bed. She walked to his room and saw that he wasn't there. She then ran over to her room to find him sleeping on her bed with the cell phone in his hand. Relieved, she picked her phone back up from his hand to inspect it. Browsing through it, she noticed only minor changes such as a new background, banner, etc. But then, she opened up her saved pictures. She began deleting the pictures he had taken, until only one new picture 
remained. When she first saw the picture, she was in disbelief. It was her son sleeping on her bed, but the picture was taken by someone else above him, and it showed the left half of an elderly woman's face. Welcome back. An owl flies in with a bizarre case where a woman's life changed overnight. She woke up feeling out of place. Hello, my name is Lorena. I'm 41 years old and I think I jumped into a parallel universe. I cannot find any pathology that matches my experience. For five months, I've been reading all of the theories I've come across and am convinced that it's been a jump between planes or something. A decision or action that has caused things to change. What upsets me is that I'm in the same year, not in a different time, and I'm exactly the same. Let me explain. It's as though I had lost my memory five months ago and woke up having dreamed those five months, with the exception that everyone remembers me during that time, and I've done things that I'm not aware of having done. Has anyone had a similar experience? On the morning of February 23rd, 2008, Lorena Garcia woke up with the expectation to follow her normal workday routine. Soon she would discover that nothing is normal. Lorena rolled out of bed. She noticed that the bed sheets were different than what was there the night before. She was puzzled. The bed sheets didn't belong to her. Looking at herself, she saw that her pajamas also had changed. Oddly enough, many of her personal belongings had disappeared overnight, while other things were newly acquired. Despite the curiosities in her rental home, Lorena continued with her day and went to work. However, Lorena would discover startling changes to her workplace. She walked to her personal office only to discover that her name was no longer on the door. It dawned on her that she must be on the wrong floor. But she soon realized that wasn't the case. Lorena looked at the company's directory and learned that she worked in another department. Her boss was someone she did not know. It seemed that her 20 years of employment had drastically changed overnight. Panic-stricken, Lorena sorted through the contents of her purse. Her credit card and driver's license had the correct information. Now confused, Lorena excused herself from work by citing an illness. 
She was then examined by a doctor and was found to be in good mental and physical health. Her life would become more complicated. In the midst of trying to come to terms with the changes, Lorena decided to turn to her boyfriend, who also happened to be a neighbor. She had been dating him for about four months and got to know him and his son very well. Perhaps he could provide reassurance. Lorena arrived at her boyfriend's apartment and discovered that it was empty. Any point of contact or reference for her boyfriend or his son led to a dead end. Desperate to find him, Lorena hired a private detective, but the search was futile. Her boyfriend and his son no longer existed. It appears that Lorena Garcia woke up in a parallel reality. in Texas shares a ghastly, life-changing experience he had while working in a funeral home. It's a black hat story called It's Alive. Back in 1992, when I was 15 years old, I had a summer job working at a small family-owned funeral home in Houston. It was in a neighborhood known as Third Ward. I was paid $10 an hour off the books, so I was pleased as punch to have the pocket money despite the surroundings. I always had a fascination with death, even at an early age, and I knew that I wanted to work in the industry when I grew up. I was a very odd child, to say the least. On my very first night on the job, I was asked to vacuum out the two small viewing chapels and clean the restrooms. As I started my tasks, there was a really bad thunderstorm that hit the area, with some flash flooding along with it. The lights began to flicker on and off as I was finishing up vacuuming the second chapel. At the front of the chapel, Earl, the assistant funeral director, asked me to stop what I was doing and follow him to the back of the building. He was in need of help unloading a body that had just arrived from the hospital. When I went out back, the hearse door was already open with a rather large bag strapped to a gurney. 
I now understood why he needed help, because it was a big job. I had never handled a dead body before, but to tell the truth, it didn't really bother me because I figured they're already dead. What could they do now? With the rain steadily pouring down and starting to push the awning we were under, we wanted to hurry and make a quick work of this task. I pulled the gurney out from the front as the middle leg sprang up and out underneath it. I pulled the body in as Earl held the door open. Once inside, Earl took over and started to push the body down the small corridor to a set of double doors. I asked him if he needed any help. He turned to me and asked, Are you sure? Can't be no punk once you step back here. Where I'm from, when you're called out, you can't back out. So I said I was sure and went through the doors after him. The first thing to hit me was how cold it was, but not just cold. The stillness of the room was off-putting at first. This industrial-sized freezer was a room that on three sides had bodies on stretchers two to three deep. The room was dimly lit at first because one window was about ten feet up with the moon shining directly through it. It gave the room a soft blue-like hue. We placed the body in the middle of the room and Earl picked up the paperwork that was tucked on the straps and on top of the body. He told me that he needed to go back out to the hearse to lock it up before we got started. And so, I was ordered to stay there. With that, he was out of the door, and the room became still once again. I just kind of stood there, not knowing what to do. But, being an inquisitive kid, I started to walk around the room to the other bodies that were already under white sheets. I crept up to the first body that was at the far right corner and slowly pulled the sheet away. It turned out to be an old lady that looked to be in her mid-late 80s, very frail and wrinkled. She wasn't prepared for burial yet, so she was new as well. I went to the next table to see who was under it. I pulled the sheet to find a younger woman, late 20s, early 30s, that looked to be missing her left arm. I made a mental note to ask Earl but that was about later. Here's the thing about death, especially traumatic death, such as car accidents, gunshot wounds, etc. The body doesn't die all at the same time. When you die, the blood in your body starts to pool in your stomach and back. The problem is, is that your nerve endings can still reanimate involuntarily after brain function ceases. Furthermore, 
In preparation for burial, the joints in the body are often broken so the body is easier to pose, but also there aren't any unexpected episodes. What I didn't know was that old Earl had loosened the straps on our recently departed friend, who had met his demise when half of his head was severed when his Ford Taurus rear-ended an 18-wheeler at 95 miles per hour. Fresh from the bar and drunk, he was speeding down the highway when he swerved and hit the parked truck as its driver was changing a flat tire. The driver was killed instantly. So that's how we ended up there with us, awaiting the family to come the next day and make arrangements. Back to the room. I didn't realize at the time just how long Earl had been gone as the storm seemed to intensify outside. As I looked back up at the window to see the storm, I leaned too far forward and bumped the table in front of me. Out of nowhere, I heard this long, dry-sounding groan. That had me jump straight out of my underpants. Remember, I'm in a room surrounded by bodies with no direct line to the door to run, so I panicked for a bit. I tried to gain my composure and work my way around the maze of bodies towards the double doors. That's when I heard it, a faint, excessively clanking sound, almost like someone tapping out Morse code, but on metal. The clanking became faster as I got closer to the middle of the room, and I was really trying not to lose my faculties at this point. Two seconds later, there was... thunder caught me off guard, so when I tried to turn and walk toward the door, that's when I saw it. When my eyes adjusted to the room again, I saw that the once completely covered large man was now partially uncovered on his right side from his head to mid-torso. The clanking that I had heard earlier was the sound of his right hand which had a class ring on it, consistently tapping the leg of the gurney. When you see something like that and your brain doesn't have time to catch up, the first thing that I did was to reach out for his hand and stop the noise. That was another mistake, because as soon as I did that, the pressure from me pulling his hand downward started to turn his body to the right, tilting the entire gurney. I dropped to the ground, trying to catch him, which had me end up flat on my back with the full weight of his body right on top of me. The corpse had half a face, which was packed with gauze-like bandaging to stop the bleeding. The overwhelming stench, the one eye that was still attached and opened and his now very open vocal cords not two inches from my face. I let out a bitter That is when the double doors opened. 
three people that were on duty with me came in laughing hysterically as they moved the deceased man off of me and back onto the gurney. They continued to laugh for a full five minutes while I felt like a complete jackass. Then I began to laugh as well. Then I couldn't stop laughing as I joined in the chorus. We got the room cleaned up and went back to the front in the main chapel to take a break. I just sat there thinking about what had just happened and realized that I wasn't exactly scared, but more annoyed that these jerks didn't help me sooner. It was then that I knew that I wanted to become a mortician, and I went on to finish out the summer where I did dozens of funerals, wakes, etc. I will never forget that first night as long as I live, because I believe it woke up something a little dark inside of me. The blood moon is setting. Thank you, Ernest, for sharing your story. Sources for Out of Place includes Before It's News, Conspiracy Theories Archives, and Anomalian. The source for the cell phone is HuffPost. Links to the sources are included in the show's notes. Lastly, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family about Blood Moon Podcast. It will keep the black cats, vampire bats, and owls happy. Thank you for listening.